You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Like wrestling or, uh, you know, or like uh, <laughs> baseball, you know, kind of have some music as I come up. We'll have to work on that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah. So maybe we, you know, it, it would just be a fun. I think it'd just be a fun thing to do to think of what what would be some songs, you know. So that could open up some good burn opportunities uh, there. But uh, no, I'm uh, not looking for that, or else I wouldn't have mentioned it. But um, anyway, no. Uh, all right. Uh, well, uh, in your Bibles tonight, we're going to be in the book of Colossians, and it is so good to see each of you here this evening, and we look forward to uh, just what the Lord's got in store. I sure do thank God for His faithfulness, uh, His goodness. We started this uh, a couple weeks ago. Michael preached last week, but actually we've been preaching <laughs> this one verse for a little bit here, but in Colossians chapter number 2, I want to begin reading in verse number 4. Read down to verse number 7, and we're going to keep on talking about how to keep on keeping on, how to make spiritual progress. God wants us to continue to go on, and uh, He doesn't want us stuck. He doesn't want us stopped. Uh, How many of you know it gets hard sometimes, and it gets difficult? Folks, that's not the time to stop. It's the time to keep on uh, abiding in Christ, to keep on keeping on. And the Bible tells us to do that, but it also tells us some keys about how that we can make that progress. And we find that in Colossians 2, verses 4 through 7 being dealt with. The Bible says this, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying in beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And so, as we was there in verse number 5, I would encourage you to maybe mark that word order, your order, and also the word steadfastness, and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Then it goes on to say, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. And so I'd encourage you to mark that uh, walk ye in Him, so walk ye in Him. And then rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therewith with thanksgiving. And so, this is really a mouthful tonight, and that's one reason I've, I've taken the time. There's times I can get in my mind that I need to hurry, and I'm sure I'm not the only person that uh, maybe feels that way from time to time. But, uh, but the fact of the matter is, I, uh, the Lord convicted me about that. And I said, you know what? I want to slow down. And I said, I just want to teach. And I said, I just want to give what's in these verses. And, uh, and so that's what I'm going to do tonight, continue to do tonight. The need for spiritual progress. Again, man, God has a place for every one of us to go. He has a purpose and a goal in mind for every one of us. He wants you to go farther than you are. He wants you to keep on growing. He wants you to keep on going. He wants your impact to spread. That's what God wants for your life. But I'm telling you, Satan uh, fights with everything he can to keep us from attaining and achieving that which God would have in our lives. 
Uh, you know, we think about the illustration of Canaan's land and how that God uh, led them into that land. And He said, this is the land. This is what I'm giving you. But then you get there and you find out, well, man, there's still giants here. There's still cities here. There's still challenges here. And folks, man, we fight challenges in our lives, every one of us. Um, but how do we overcome these things? The Bible says we're overcomers, but how do we overcome? Well, we're going to see just a little bit more about that in just a moment. But we do need to understand that one of the biggest things that Satan uses against us, the Bible says there in verse 4, is beguiling. He's talking about this was the false doctrine to give you the context of Colossians. Uh, Lest any man should beguile you, deceive you with enticing words. Uh, But I'm telling you, man, that's something we can really fall into is believing the lies of the devil, uh, believing those voices that come into comes into our heads. You say, preacher, you have voices in your head. I do. Uh, And you have these voices, you know, that tell you uh, things that are contrary to what Christ says about you. Is that not right? I mean, Christ says you're a conqueror. Is that in your mind all the time? Uh, Christ says you're never alone. Lo, I'm with you always. Is that what you confidently can say and proclaim all the time? Never alone. Or do you sometimes start getting in your mind, man, I'm all alone. I'm all alone. I can't do this. Well, do you ever get that in your mind? I can't do this. I can't live this life. I can't, I, can't, I can't withstand this temptation. I can't make it through this trial. Well, God said a couple things there, did He? He said, number one, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. And He said, there's no temptation which has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will with the temptation also make a way to escape. So we have these enticing words that go against the, the knowledge of God. Uh, so we've got to uh, be rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Now, in order to emphasize the admonition, how he's trying to encourage these people, he uses some vivid pictures to illustrate what spiritual progress looks like. So the, the, the two words for spiritual progress that I want to look at tonight is abiding and abounding. Abiding and abounding. Now, Where God wants us to be is in that abounding territory. Uh, And I believe that's where we want to be. We want to be be abounding. We want to be overflowing. We want to experience the blessings of God. We want to be be successful uh, parents, husbands, wives, grandparents, Christians, church members. I mean, uh, whatever uh, jobs we may have, we want to be the best representation of Christ and, and, and do the most for the glory of God. And, uh, and, and achieve as much as possible to the glory of God. Uh, we want to abound. But the thing is, a lot of times people want to abound, but what we learn in these verses is, before we can abound, we've got to abide. And if you'll notice, several times through, these, through those few verses, you'll read those two words, in Christ, a couple of different times. And you'll read it often in the New Testament, in Christ. Notice verse number 7. The Bible says, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So abiding and abounding. So we want to abound, but there's an interesting word study here. This is a, there's a pretty simple and good word study you can do if you're just interested in doing a, a little word study in the Bible. Uh, you can study the word abide. The word abide. And if you look up the word abide, you can find out that the word abide comes from the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O. Real simple word, real simple word study. 
I believe it's about half the times that that word is used is used in two chapters. And it's used a lot. But it's, it's used in the Gospel of John chapter number 15, and it's used in 1 John chapter number 2. And you'll find out that the Apostle John, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, loved to use that word uh, about abide. And John 15 if you know anything about John 15, you know that John 15 is kind of the abiding chapter. That's where Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. But it's interesting in the word study about abiding, because again, I'm talking about abiding because the way we're going to abound is by abiding in Christ. And each of the illustrations he gives is an illustration of abiding and abounding. But it's, it's interesting, the word uh, minnow, because it's translated abide, but it's also translated remain. Remain. He talks about your fruit remaining, abiding. And so it means to abide, it means to remain. But not only does it mean that, it means to continue. It means to continue. Um, and so you can see that, that that's abiding. Abiding is uh, remaining. Abiding is continuing. Uh, there's one place to where it is that it's used for endure. Then also for dwell and tarry. Jesus said this in John 15, verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. Now just to remind you, that's exactly what verse 7 is saying. Verse 7 says, Rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therewith with thanksgiving. So what's he saying there? If ye abide in me. So verse 7 rooted and built up in Him. And my words abide in you. That's verse 7 where it says, established in the faith. The faith right there is the revealed truth of God's Word. The faith there is what we believe. It's talking about the, te the, the teaching, the doctrine of the Word of God. So, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. That's a pretty powerful place to be. That sounds like abounding. He says in John 15, verse 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. And then he says, Continue ye in my love. And that word continue right there is the exact same word that, that he used for abide just a, a verse earlier. Continue ye in my love. So, if we're going to abound, we must abide. We must abide. We must remain. We must continue. We must endure. We must... Uh, tarry. We must tarry. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Now, how are we rooted and built up and abounding? The answer is all in Him. And really one of the greatest uh, keys, man, I say one of the greatest keys, it's got to be the greatest key there in John 15 verse 9 when He says, continue ye in my love. Me and uh, Trey, you and Ryan were just having a little uh, Bible study before church tonight, and that's what we were talking about, checking whatever it is that you want to do. We were talking about our, our goals and visions for ministry and, and preaching, you know, both short-term and long-term. And what we discussed is how that we could accomplish every one of those goals. You can accomplish every one of your goals, even from a spiritual perspective. We could accomplish those goals without charity. We could become great speakers. We could have great knowledge. We could be great sacrificers. We could build great numbers of people that would follow us. And you can do every bit of that without charity. 
without love, without that true sacrificial love. Now, you say, uh, it, it, now you say could, could you really do that without love? You absolutely can. It happens all the time. Uh, but the problem is that, uh, you know, it goes back to one of those things to where it's a horrible thing when you find out that you are trying to succeed in life, but you fail because you're doing it without God's power, you're doing it without God's love. But maybe even something that's worse than that is actually succeeding without God's power and without God's love. So we've got to check our motives. He said, continue ye in my love. Why, why do you do what you do? Why do you read your Bible? Man, these, some of these teenagers, they're destroying these Bible plans. I say that in a positive sense. Uh, that, uh, on the Bible app, I mean, just going through them, man, and just, I mean, it's just been so encouraging uh, seeing that. But you know what we've got to watch out for? Some of us are doing the chronological Bible. Why do we do that? If we're not careful, well, we want to get through it in a year. Well, obviously, that's kind of a motivation. I mean, that's the, what the plan is. Uh, but if that's the motivation, then we're going to still get a blessing out of it. But how much more if we just check our motive and say, wait, wait, yes, I do want to get through this in a year, but more than that, I want to do this because I love you, because you love me and I love you, and Lord, help me to love your word. And help me, when I read this, when I listen to this, help me to be changed and drawn closer to you. So continue you in my love. Such a, a big key here, okay? So the last time we dealt with these verses, we looked at a couple of the pictures that he gave us. I told you a moment ago there in verse number 5 to mark the words order and the word steadfast uh, or steadfastness because the word order, it's, it's, it's a speaking of an advancing army. There's no question that you and I are soldiers of Christ. There's no question. We're not joking around when we talk about being in a battle. And what we need to always remember is that as brothers and sisters, every one of these young people, every one of us older people are in battles, spiritual warfare. But by the grace of God, we need to keep on fighting. Amen? So, so we're abiding. In other words, we're continuing. How do we do it? We do it in Christ. The Bible says, be strong. How? Be strong in the Lord. And what does it continue? go on to say? And in the power of His might. Right? So we're abiding. God doesn't say, okay, Christian, you really need to be strong here, buddy. You can do it, man. You can withstand temptation. You guys can be... No, He's saying, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. So we, we abide, and by abounding, we can, by, abi by abiding, we advance, we continue, we fight on, we keep on keeping on. Uh, so, uh, so this, he's describing an advancing army. Uh, these words describe an army that is solidly united against the enemy. Shields locked. And by the way, that's one of the worst things that Christians can do. Sometimes the Christians can forget who the real enemy is. Now we know the verse, don't we? Our battle is not with flesh and blood, but man, that's easy to forget. But our battle is not with flesh and blood, folks. It's really not. And even, even sometimes, man... It's a shame when Christians start thinking each other are the, the, the ones that we got to uh, battle, right? Uh, no, man, there is an enemy that we're trying to battle. There's a greater enemy. So the word order describes, but as a church, as a New Testament church, help us to have that order, that, that solid unity as we fight and battle the enemy. So order describes the arrangement of the army in ranks with each soldier in his proper place. Listen, every, there is not a person in this church that doesn't have a place in this church. 
There's not a person in this church that does not have something. There's not one of you. There is not one person in here tonight who who does not have a, a spiritual gift, at least one. Everybody here tonight, if you're saved by the grace of God, you have a spiritual gift. And the place where we exercise our spiritual gifts is within the church. And we can serve and bless. And um, you say, I'm not sure what my spiritual gift is. I've had people tell me, preacher, I'm not, I don't believe I've got a spiritual gift. Uh, well, you may have a spiritual gift that uh, you may not think of being a spiritual gift. Not all spiritual gifts. You know, it's interesting. There's obviously the spiritual gifts that the Bible lists in the New Testament that are truly the spiritual gifts. But I think it's interesting how that in the Old Testament, you think about, do you know that God gifted people to be gardeners in the Old Testament? Now that's not the spiritual gifts I'm talking about, but you can see a spiritual gift carried out through that. How about God calling somebody and wanting them to be a builder in the Old Testament? Think about the craftsmen that God endued with their ability. We do a big disservice to people if when we teach them and train them that almost as if you're not up here doing something... Um, you know, in the church, I mean, something out where everybody sees teaching or preaching or something uh, of that nature that you're not doing anything for God because that's not so. But the bottom line is everybody, the, the, the word order describes the arrangement of the army and ranks with each soldier in its proper place. The word steadfastness pictures the soldiers in battle formation presenting a solid front to the enemy. God help us to be organized. God help us to, to present a solid front against the lies of the devil. I mean, God help us to present a solid front against those that, uh, against that which is deceiving people into going to hell and destroying their lives. So there's an advancing army. We preached that uh, the week before last. And then we also preached about the next point in verse number 6, the next picture of somebody who is keeping on, keeping on, who's making spiritual progress. And that's in verse 6. The Bible says, As ye ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye, and notice again, in Him. So that's the abiding emphasis again. Walk ye in Him. The Christian life is compared to a pilgrimage. Amen? A pilgrimage. A pilgrim is somebody who's on their way home. The Bible says, he's, in, in the book of 1 Peter, the Lord spoke through Peter, chapter 2, verse 11, He says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. And strangers is somebody who's away from home. A pilgrim is somebody that's on their way home. And He says, I'm talking to you. I'm beseeching you. I'm begging you as strangers and as pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Kind of goes to the enticing words part, doesn't it? The things that are fleshly lust that are, are pulling us against God that we think are beneficial to us are in all, in all reality warring against our very souls. Warring against that which God wants us to get. Don't let your desires be overtaken by fleshly desires. It's not always got to be, you know, what we think of when we think of lustful desire. The word lust really just means desire. But it doesn't always speak of it in a sexual way. We use it more in that way in our society today. But the word just literally the idea of fleshly lust. I mean, fleshly desires. Just not letting those things rob our souls. But we get it mixed up, don't we? He's begging these people, beseeching them as strangers and pilgrims, because a lot of times we're not careful. What we think, we think that we're that God is robbing us 
of something that we would, could really enjoy by not letting us indulge in these lusts or these desires or whatever. When in all reality, we've got to get the right perspective and understand, no, to indulge in those fleshly behaviors is what's going to actually rob us, not enrich us. So, pilgrims and strangers, and, and the last thing I'll say about the pilgrims part is Hebrews 11, verse 13. These all died in faith. Hebrews 11, so we know it's talking about those in the hall of faith. Notice this, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, so they saw the promises, not receiving them. So as they thought about the promises, the Bible says they were persuaded of them. And they embraced them. And confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. So, we need to be persuaded. What's persuading you today? We need to be persuaded by the promises. Persuaded by the promises, and he says, not were they persuaded by the promises, the Bible also says that they embraced the promises. Do you got any promises you hang on to? If you don't, you need to find some. Because man, you need some promises to hold on to. I hold on to promises. Matter of fact, uh, I, think, I think about this. Well, I was mentioning John 15, I've told many of you this before. Uh, when my eyes open up in the morning, the general thing that I think right away is knowing that it's a brand new day, knowing whatever it is that I may have to do that day, is, uh, Lord, I know that without You I can do nothing. I, I know who I am. I'm a dark-hearted sinner that's been saved by grace. I, without You I can do nothing. But I say, but I know that through You I can do all things. Whatever you have for me today, I can do all things. I hold to those promises. When I'm feeling defeated, man, I embrace. And by the way, I'm a hugger. Anybody else out there huggers? Let me know if you're not, because it's always awkward when I try to hug you, amen? Uh, and you're not a hugger, okay? But, uh, 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 but and you ain't got to be a hugger. But I'm telling you what, you may not be a big embracer of people, but by golly, you need to be a big embracer of God's promises. You need to hug up on them, man. You need to get those things down. You need to memorize them. You need to embrace them. You need to hold on to them for dear life. You need to have tenacity when it comes, comes to these things because that's what's going to give us the power. That's what he says, going back to verse number 7, established in the faith, having these promises and understand, understanding what God promised you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Man, that's a good verse. Man, I'll tell you, you don't want to know a promise I really hold on to? I hold on to a few. I think of some others. I hold on to 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9. And ten, I'm first to 9 and 10. Wait, I'm getting my Romans and my First uh, John mixed up. But where the Bible says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. Is that verse 9? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I'm not going to tell you why i got to claim that verse so much and why I embrace that verse, but I do embrace that verse. I embrace it because I sin and come short of the glory of God. But if I confess my sins, if I agree with God against my sin, He's going to forgive me of that sin. I hold on to that. You want to know some other verses I hold on? I embrace, I squeeze, I hold. I mean, I just about squeeze the life. I used to love when I was a kid. I would feel so strong. And I'd go to hug my grandma, or I'd go to hug my aunt or my mom, and they'd say, you know, I'd hug them, they'd say, give me a bear hug, can you squeeze harder? And I'd squeeze this as hard as I could, and they'd act like I was breaking their backs, you know. But I'm telling you what, that's about the way I hold on to, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Man, I hold on to that. God couldn't, God, God has never loved you any more than He loves you right now. He is always, He lo loves you with an everlasting love. 
I, I, I squeeze and hold on to those verses about the love of God because I need to be reminded of that, and so do you. Uh, don't believe the lies. Don't believe they're in verse number 4. Don't be beguiled by enticing words, but believe in the love of God and what He says there. Um, okay, did my recap take all of my time? We're, we're using my phone to go to Facebook Live, so I'm not sure what time it is, but um, I'm done. All righty, thank you, babe. <laughs> Let's look, at, uh, let's look at another one here tonight uh, that he gives here and trying to get into the next part here a little bit. But where he says in verse number 7, rooted, rooted. Now just to let you know how long I've been studying in these verses, rooted there goes back to my palm tree message. That's been a little while, hasn't it? Uh, the one to where I miss, I used a verse out of Jeremiah that was talking about an idol, but the application was that it stood upright, okay? I'm, but I'm saying that because uh, Ralph caught me on that one. Um, but it, went, it caught me. It wasn't like I was trying to get by. It's just at the last second. They, they, the upright, they're, they're like the, the palm tree. Uh, but anyway, uh, but the, that's how long this goes back. Okay, so a, a growing tree. That's the picture of an uh, abiding and abounding Christian as well. Rooted, rooted. Uh, keep on reaching, high and deep. Rooted is an agricultural word. The tense means once and for all, having been rooted. Man, I am glad that I have been rooted in Christ, aren't you? Therefore, I'm abiding. My roots are in Him. Now, rooted. Christians are not to be tumbleweeds that have no roots and are blown about by every wind of doctrine. Again, we need to be established in the faith so that when false doctrine comes along, we don't get blown about by false doctrine. Listen to this carefully, though. We've got to be careful because uh, the Bible says that we ought not go to the left hand or to the right. Right? And that, the, the important thing about that is, can I make an, a confession to you? For a long time, I knew that it was bad to go to the left hand. I knew that it was bad to go left. But I didn't think there was anything wrong with being more spiritual than God. Going to the right. There's nothing wrong with being even stricter, you know. God said go this far. We ought to go that far. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> but He said don't go to the left hand or to the right hand. Just stay right here. Stay right here, amen. Uh, Go to, don't go to the right hand or to the left. So, not, not blown about with every wind of doctrine. Be, be established in the faith. The Bible says this, Psalm 1, and many of you are familiar with it, great, great passage. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, again, notice, notice this just keeps reoccurring, his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. Amen. And he was talking about literally the law of the Lord, but we've got the entire Bible now. Our delight. What do you delight in? What makes you happy? We need to get happy in the Word of God. Amen? Delight in the Word of God. Man, listen. If you, just mark this down. If you're getting bored with the Bible, you need to do a, do a spiritual... I mean, if you're getting bored with the Bible, you ever, you ever drive your car and you start having these red lights flashing in your car? Check engine? That's a big old check engine light, okay? Something's wrong. If you've got to find some new kooky dude out there that's got a more exciting, brand new discovery about something in the Bible, 
Uh, I mean, listen, the Bible, amen, it's, it's, it's a check engine light. Okay, Lord, help me to get delight, to delight in your word. But notice that the, the light, and then the Bible says, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Of course, we could preach all, uh, a lot about those verses, but... Jesus, uh, we're planted in Him. Amen? John 15, verse 5, I referenced that earlier. Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him. And that's a cool thought, isn't it? Jesus don't just say, abide in me. He says, I'm abiding in you. Jesus doesn't say, hey, you need to continue in me. The way we continue in Him, Natalie Ann, He continues in us. He gives us the strength. He gives us the courage. She just wasn't doing anything wrong. You ever look at cutting your eyes? Oh boy, she got, no, I just getting her attention. Amen. All right. Uh, she wasn't falling asleep, Ralph. Amen. I, um, but uh, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. You can do nothing. All right. Uh, man, th- you listen to this carefully. I think about that. Without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Don't allow your greatest discovery to become your greatest defeat. Don't let your greatest discovery become your greatest defeat. And here's what I simply mean by that. I've known way too many Christians that when they figure out that they can do nothing, just about want to give up and quit. Well, preacher, you're up there doing it, and Chad's doing it, and Richard's doing it, and I just can't do it. It's like, no, no, no. I mean, but have you ever even been there maybe? I can't live this Christian life. I can remember, I, I go back to this a lot of times, but I think, I think when I was y'all's age and I, uh, when I got saved and I got into the church and I, I started seeing all these great Christians in the church. And man, I, I liked it and I loved it, but it kind of started getting kind of hard because I'm like, these people are happy all the time. What's wrong with these people? They're always looking good, smelling good, singing good. I mean, I mean, I, I just missed Tony. I just about wanted to follow them home and find out where do these people live? Do they have a road that goes up to the clouds and they just descend, you know, uh, on Wednesdays and Sundays and come down? But the point I'm trying to say is, because I started figuring out, well, I can't do this. I can't live the Christian life. And so here, you want to know what the sad thing that happens though? Some people get discouraged and quit at that point and quit trying. Others, instead of doing that, they start putting on. And they start acting like they've got it figured out. In other words, they start playing the part. Well, I can't do it, but I guess this is what it looks like, so I'll try to act that way. I'll get my brothers, and I'll even throw in a thee and a thou, so they'll know I'm King James, you know, and... Uh, whatever, and it's like, I can, I, I'll, I'll fool them all. But God doesn't want, you know, I've said it before, God doesn't want us playing a part. He wants us living a life. So don't let your greatest discovery, uh, and I, maybe, that's, uh, maybe that's being, um, you know, overstating your greatest discovery, because that'd have to be your need for salvation. But I'm just saying, it is indeed a great discovery to find out you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. That's the bad news, if you want to say that. The good news is, Christ will do it through you, okay? Um, and then uh, just, just quickly here on the tree, think about an oak tree. An oak tree has a root system um, 
that compares to the amplitude of its branches. So in other words, you see all these branches on an oak tree, you see what's on the outside, what you don't realize is underneath is about the same thing. Uh, So as the branches reach out higher and higher and farther and farther on an oak tree, so its roots go down deeper and deeper and wider and wider. That is a great picture of abounding, abiding, and abounding. The tree abiding in that soil and abounding in what everybody sees. The hidden life, since we're rooted in Christ, the hidden life of the child of God is to be developed in equal proportion with the outward life seen by those around us. This is the type of Christian that will be able to stand the test of time. Trees are prominent. Trees generally stand. I mean, I know every once in a while they get blown down and different things, but it's an event when it happens, right? It's like, oh my gosh, the trees. I mean, the wind was so strong it did this. But as a, as a general, I told you all about the tree, old Methuselah, you know, that's in the, the western part of the United States. They figure it's about 1,600 years old, I believe it is. Uh, remarkable uh, tree that's still standing there, old Methuselah. But I'm telling you, God wants to, uh, us to abide in Him. He wants us to stand. Trees are prominent. God really does want our lives to be prominent. He wants us to stand up and be noticed, not for our glory, but for His glory. Amen? And what people see in us isn't to point people to ourselves, but our branches ought to be pointing people to Him. Amen? Because we understand that as big and as mighty as a tree is, it's got to rely on a hidden source. And I'm telling you if, you, if you've ever known a successful Christian, I'm telling you the only way they've been successful is they're relying on a hidden source. They are not more gifted than you necessarily. They're not more spiritual than you. They, they, don't, they don't think that temptation isn't as hard as, as temptation is for you. No. They're just people that keep abiding in Christ. Keep drawing closer to Him, abiding in Christ, let Christ abide in them, and therefore they abound. We can be like a tree. And you want to know the great things about a lot of these, and I'm closing with the tree, all right? But as a tree grows, you know, think about the benefit of trees. Trees provide oxygen, don't they? They provide oxygen, they provide fruit. Uh, I mean, they're a blessing and a benefit to other people. And you know what, church? That's what we ought to be, a blessing and a benefit to other people. Um, you know, not only that, but we talk about a grove of, uh, you, you get into a grove of trees. What do those roots do underground if you see a big old grove of trees? They're all interlocked. They're all intertwined. They're all standing together. And that's one of the beautiful things about the church, isn't it? Man, I tell you, as Elk Point Baptist Church has grown and our roots have grown deeper, man, some of those roots down in Christ have just interlocked closer together. I mean, just helping us stand that much more. I mean, the, the, the tree has enemies. I mean, there's drought, there's disease. Um, but the tree can stand, the tree can survive. Uh, we can be healthy trees if we are rooted in Christ. Okay, Lord willing, next week, we talked this week about the agricultural term. Next week, we'll talk about the architectural side, the building. Amen? Uh, rooted and grounded. Grounded is the architectural side, okay?